All right. Hey, everyone. As I said earlier, my name is Kevin Kay. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've been in program for uh, more than two and a half years. And today is my OA birthday. I got a year of abstinence today. And uh, that was a long time coming. Uh, when I first came to program, I, uh, I think my first stretch of abstinence was uh, 29 days and 23 hours and 52 minutes. If I had just not eaten for eight more minutes, I would have had a whole month of abstinence. And so that just kind of was a real slap in the face that I couldn't even like, even when I was that close, I could not control the food. Uh, so I, uh, and then also when I first came to program, I was, had one foot in one foot out. I was like, you know, the last place I wanted to go to for help or the last organization I wanted to belong to was an organization called Overeaters Anonymous. Like to me, that was synonymous with fat camp. Like, oh, great. I get to go to fat camp. Wonderful. So my plan was to come to OA and do the steps and get cured of this food thing real quick and then get on with my life. And uh, so I showed up, <coughs> got a sponsor. And he asked him to take me through the steps. And he was like, okay, like I do it the same way with all of my sponsees. Uh, we, we get these books and we work through it and we do it in 15 weeks. And I was like, that's not fast enough. Um, I was like, can we do it at twice the speed? Can we like meet twice a week and do all this stuff? He's like, no, this is how I do the steps. And um, so uh, he did not stay my sponsor for very long. But yeah, I was very controlling and very much like I got to, get this done as quickly as possible because I don't want to be here. And um, I found a, a workshop that uh, went through the steps in a month and went there and worked through the steps. And uh, I did have a really incredible experience. Like uh, I would say the number one thing going on with me was uh, like when I came to program, I was consumed with resentment towards my parents for how they treated me growing up. And it was all I could think about every day. Like I wanted, I was trying to write them a fuck you letter. Like I was trying to, I wanted to put in words exactly how I felt. And like, I wanted the words to be perfect so that they would just understand because they, they didn't, they were like, no, we were great parents. What are you talking about? And, uh, it's so like, I was just consumed with this. Like, how am I going to like get them to understand what they did to me? And, um, and when I came to OA, I found out what the program solution to that is, uh, which is that I get to forgive all the people I have resentment toward. And then I get to go apologize to them for the stuff that I've done. And that sounded humiliating. But um, what they told me was like, you don't, you're, bro, you're not even on step nine yet. Like, you're not meant to be ready for that. So, but what they told me is if you have a resentment towards someone, you pray for them every day. And you ask God to give them everything I would ever want for myself. Um, and then they also warned me, they're like, it's going to be hard to say it out loud. Like, you're going to feel like you're lying. The words are going to feel empty. And that's okay. Just say them anyway. Just say the empty words. God, please grant my mom and my dad health and wealth, happiness. Let them be joyous and free. And let them have everything they ever dreamed of in life. And, uh, and give them fulfilling relationships. And, you know, let them spend their days doing things that they enjoy doing. And uh, yeah, that was hard to say at first. It was, they, they were lies, those words. But I said them. I did them every day. And at the end of two months, 
the resentment was gone. Like it worked like magic. Um, like at the end of that, all I, the resentment was gone and what was in his place was compassion because like, I, I look at my mom now and I see a lady who has had a very painful life. Like, and like, she grew up in an abusive environment and I just think of like a little, she was a little blonde girl. And I just think of like, like how, how hard her life was. And with my dad, my dad grew up in a military family and he was like, you know, he was in boot camp from like the day he was born. And like, that wasn't easy for him either. My dad's a very, like, he hates to admit this, but he's a very sensitive man. And, you know, growing up in a rigid, like shouting environment, I was not happy. So, so I have this compassion for my parents now. And, um, and so, yeah, so when I did the, did the steps in this workshop, I got to call them both and I hadn't spoken to them in like six months and I get to, and I got to tell them like, Hey, um, like, these are the things I feel that I've done to hurt you. And I'm sorry. And I thank you. Um, so yeah, so I, I got to let go of that. Um, I got to tell all my secrets. I was carrying around secrets that I swore I was never going to tell anybody. Um, and I shared those with someone and, you know, I, it was an incredible experience to be loved for all the things I was ashamed of, not just for the items on my fourth step, but also like just having compulsive overeating. I kept it a secret. Well, I thought I kept the secret for people. Um, like I didn't want people to know that I was binging. I didn't want people to know that I was like stuffing my face full of cookies or Kit Kat bars or whatever over the trash can and like spitting it out, like literally like cookie monster. Like, I didn't want people to know that that was not a good look for me <laughs> or the fact that I had fished food out of the trash before. Like, how am I going to tell someone that? Like, I was always afraid if I told someone that I was doing that, people would be like, whoa, Kevin, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a little intense. And then they'd like stop inviting me to stuff and like, like quietly just not have me around anymore. That's what I was afraid was going to happen. And I came to OA and I could share about all of that. And not only that, it, it wasn't just that you all accepted me for all of those things or like in spite of all of those things, but it was like because of those things, like, you know, people were, I would talk about that and people would nod and be like, oh yeah, me too. And suddenly this thing that like I swore would prevent me from ever being close to someone became like the, the attachment point. Like, you know, I was, like, it was true intimacy. And like, you know, I didn't realize this until I came to program, but I don't think I had an intimate relationship, like an emotionally intimate relationship before program. And like, since program, like I have that, I could share everything. And not only will you not reject me, but like, you'll love me. And I didn't know how much I needed that. Um, but even with all of this, I was still, uh, I did the steps and then I got abstinent. And it was like six weeks or something that I got abstinent. And I'm like, great, I'm cured. And so I stopped going to meetings. I joined another 12-step program to deal with, an, uh, well, I was going to say unrelated issue. They are related. But um, I joined a different 12-step program. So I was focusing on a different area of my life. And I stopped going to OA meetings. And then I relapsed hard. Um, and that was when I realized that I, like, 
this isn't a one and done program. Like I get to stay here for the rest of my life. And so I dove in with both feet. Um, I started going to the men's meetings. <coughs> and then um, <clears throat> there was like one uh, young people's meeting I went to because um, I was looking for other people my age who I could relate to. And where was I going? Oh, yeah. So uh, I found out that it was a very small meeting. Like we, we struggled to get even two or three people in the room for the young people's meeting. So um, I found out about a young people's retreat. <clears throat> and so I connected with uh, a lot of the other young people and we all got together and made the young people's intergroup. It's a virtual intergroup for OA. And the whole point was we were like, wouldn't it be great if all the young people in OA knew each other? And working on that, uh, ended up being a really meaningful experience and it's not that it helped me accept that I was going to be here for the rest of my life, but like I, it made me excited about it. Um, so that, that was very meaningful. And, uh, <clears throat> but I struggled with abstinence for almost a year after that, I would get a week or I would get to four days and then, uh, and then I would relapse. And so I was just struggling with abstinence. But the one thing I, oh, something else I had learned in program was the importance of being rigorously honest. I was not an honest man when I came into program. I would lie at the draw. I would pretend to be someone else. Like my whole thing was, you know, I feel unloved. So I will, when I'm interacting with you, I'll try to figure out what, what you want me to be. And then I'll try to become that for acceptance. And uh, so I would lie about that. Um, I was uh, very neglected and disconnected growing up. So I didn't have a lot of the, um, I didn't have a lot of the same uh, pop culture references as all, or like even similar experiences with the rest of my peers. So like people would be like, oh yeah, I remember when this band came out and I'd be like, yeah, wasn't it great? Um, I had no idea because like that wasn't part of my experience growing up. So I would lie about that to try to be cool. Uh, 10 would, minutes just passed, Kevin. Thank you. Um, I would lie at work or lie in situations where I'd get in trouble. So I would lie to avoid consequences. Um, and that became a real problem for me at work because um, I had worked really hard to get to this job that was uh, like the pay was great. The benefits were great. The, like when I got the, it was really hard to get the job. Like I had to go do like a week's worth of of like challenges and tests to get in like this job really felt like they were like seal team six or something but anyway so when i got the job like everyone was patting me on the back like yes you're gonna retire with this company great job kevin welcome to the family and all this stuff and they were uh they had like one they had a bunch of rules but like one in particular don't use your phone at work and i was like Okay, but 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 you know I'm special because I'm in program, so I need to do outreach calls for my health. So rather than having a conversation about that with them, I just got a second phone because they uh, like they can ask to see your phone records. That was like part of the rules, and uh, so I was like, oh, I'll just get a second phone. And so I was on the phone all the time, and then I had an incident at work, and it was uh, because I was on the phone, and like they didn't catch me but I had just made the commitment 
to be rigorously honest in all my affairs. Like I heard people in meetings share about it. I like logged onto YouTube one day and it was like the first video on there was like, why you should you commit to always telling the truth? And I watched the video and I was convinced it like made a really good case for like why my life would be better if I made that commitment. So I did. I was like, okay, fine. I, I hear that. And then I, and then like two days later I had an incident and then I had a choice to make. I had to tell him about the incident and I did. Um, but then I like, it was bugging me that I didn't tell him about the phone part. And, uh, so I had to go talk to my safety manager and the night before I went in there, I was like, nah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell him that. Like, he doesn't need to know. Like he knows about the like, you know, training, all that stuff. Uh, and the night before I was at a laundromat doing laundry and I ran into this lady, she came up to me and she was like, Hey, do you have extra detergent? So I lent her some detergent and then we were talking and she mentioned that she used to be homeless. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like she didn't look homeless or anything like that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like how does one stop being homeless? Like usually people uh, get stuck in that trap. And she thought about it and she said, well, I got honest. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was like a message straight from higher power. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll do it. I called my sponsor because, you know, uh, you always run things by your sponsor. Don't make any like rash decisions without running it by someone. And my sponsor was like, well, I can't tell you what to do in this situation, but I found that being honest is always the best. So I went in there and I told my safety manager, like, there's something you need to know. Uh, the reason I had the incident last Friday was because I was on the phone. And he was like, wow, okay, um, well, thanks for being honest. Uh, and then they sent me home and then they brought me in a week later and they fired me. Yeah. So I lost my job. And so, um, I don't live in this van now, but like I was living in this van at the time to save money. And I had like figured out how much time I had left. And, uh, like before I had to have another job, I was living in Northern California. And then I came down to LA with a friend of mine at, to visit some people from program. And someone invited me to this really amazing AA meeting I had heard about. And so I went there and I, I sit down the meeting and they said, all right, welcome everyone to the, I tell the truth meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. I was like, get the fuck out of here. And so I was like, look, I'm not an alcoholic, but I feel like I've earned my seat in this meeting. And this is how, and I explained, I told them that whole story and two people came up to me afterward and they're like, what do you know how to do? We will find you work. And one guy, he works in, uh, he works in Hollywood and uh, he introduced me to some people. Kevin, you muted. Uh, hey, can you still hear me? Okay, cool. Um, and he got me a job. And uh, this job was better than my old job. It was a lot more fun. Uh, I get to like watch movies and help make movies and like do a lot of really cool stuff. Oh, and here's the other thing. It's impossible to do this job perfectly. So uh, it's very important if you mess up, which is going to happen, to come clean about it right away. If I got this job, like I didn't even know how to get this job before. But even if I had, like I would not have lasted because the first time I would have messed up, I would have hidden it. And they would be like, we don't trust this guy. Get him out of here. So um, so telling the truth has changed my life. And when I was struggling with abstinence, that was the one that I did two things right. Uh, even when my program was trash. Uh, one was I kept coming back. And five minutes remaining. I hear that. Thank you. 
uh, I told the truth and I kept coming back. And that was something I heard uh, very early on a program. Like those are the two things you absolutely must have in order to get recovery in this program. Uh, you have to be honest and you have to keep coming back. I mean, even our, uh, our founder, I watched a video of Roseanne the other day, like, she founded this program and I think it was like 10 or 20 years or something like that. Like she was struggling with abstinence, which is like one of the reasons why she's our perfect founder, because, you know, this is not something that we do perfectly, but we have to come back and be honest about it. So, um, so I struggled with abstinence for uh, a good nine months to, a, I think it was like nine months after that. And um, what finally did it for me was uh, I just, I hit a bottom and I, I think I had like way too much coffee one day. I was on medicine for an outside issue, which we had doubled the dose of. And then I had binged and then I had like work drama and program drama all happen at the same time. And I had a panic attack and I didn't realize what that was, but I like, I felt like I was having a heart attack. Like I was feeling pain in my chest and like my, like felt like heart palpitations and stuff like that. And I felt like I was like losing my grip a little bit. And so I, I went to the, I went to the hospital cause I didn't know what was going on. And I felt like, I felt so horrible on the way there. I was like, I don't ever want to feel like this again. Like I will eat the most boringest food ever. I'll eat the boringest food plan. And, and so I did that for the next four days. I'm like, I'm going to eat a real simple, boring food plan for the next four days. I just want to feel better. And um, like, that was that was what it took for me. It was hitting that bottom. And, uh, I think I got a month after that point and then I slipped and then I got another month and then I slipped and then, and then, uh, came around to April fool's day and I slipped. And, uh, after that I've been absent ever since. And, um, like, I don't even know. Uh, yeah, I just suddenly had the willingness. Like it says in the program, like uh, willingness is the key or the door to our uh, sobriety or our recovery is unlocked with the key of willingness. And it just, the door just flies open. And that's been my experience. Um, just to briefly outline what abstinence has been like for me, um, it was not fun. Um, someone told me, like, I didn't really know. I, I hear people share like, oh, you know, uh, like some people have sexual trauma from when they were a kid or they were like abused or hit or like what, like bullied, like, you know, and like they'll have repressed memories. And I'm like, I don't really like, I don't have any secrets anymore. Like I already did my four step and all this stuff. Like, why can't it get abstinent? And someone was like, well, uh, get abstinent and you'll find out. And I was like, uh, okay. And I, I thought that when I got abstinent, like maybe a month in, like some repressed memory would come up and it would all make sense. Uh, no, the next day, like two hours into my absence, I found out exactly why I eat. And it's because I have painfully low self-worth. I don't, I don't love myself. And I have a uh, reminder, Kevin, two minutes, two minutes. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I, um, so as soon as I did that, like the voice in my head started, I don't know if any of you relate to this, but I've got a heckler in my head. I've got a voice in my head constantly calling me a piece of shit call me a loser telling me like oh you fucked that up oh you did this you did that like just constantly trash talking me as i go through the day constantly 
And that was what happened when I got abstinent was that voice started digging into me uh, for months, like all of last summer, I was dealing with that. And I was like trying everything to get rid of it. And I, I even wrote, I have an eviction notice on my uh, refrigerator uh, to the voices in my head, telling them to get out. Um, so I, you know, did cute things like that to like try to get them out. Um, but what worked for me was uh, my sponsor gave me the key and he said, um, Kevin, like my experience with you is that you, uh, you resent yourself for your mistakes and for your perceived shortcomings. And also you have, um, you don't love your body. You have body dysmorphia. He was like, that's, that's been my experience of you. And so he gave me uh, two exercises to do every night. He said, every night I want you to get naked in front of the mirror. And I want you to choose five body parts um, that you like and touch them one at a time and say like, I love this part of my body. I love this part of my body. I love this part of my body. And then uh, pick five body parts you don't like and touch them one at a time and say, God, please help me to love and accept this part of my body. Please help me to love and accept this part of my body. Please help me to love and accept this part of my body. He said, and then when you're done that, um, I want you to get on your knees and I want you to pray the resentment prayer for yourself. And you can do it like the third step prayer, however you want to do it. But God, God, please grant Kevin health, wealth, and let him be happy, joyous, and free. And, you know, because I'm not, I live in service to others now. So it can be an example to others, right? Like I get to have an attractive life because if my life sucks, like who would want this? Who would choose this way of life? So I get to have those things. And so I also get to pray the resentment prayer for myself and ask God to, to help me and to forgive myself. And I did that for a couple months. And you know what? The voices in my head slowly got the volume turned down and turned down and turned down. And um, through, through doing this and by doing some therapy and doing an outside training program that I did, I can tell you today that like I, I once held a loaded gun to my head not to kill myself, but like to say that I should, I hated myself that much. Like I should pull the trigger right now. I said that to myself. And, uh, that was like two and a half, three years ago. Um, today, um, I am enthused to be me. I love myself. I don't feel like I've got a loser sign around my neck that I've got to hide from people. Um, I am genuinely happy to be me. And if all of us put our lives in the middle of the room, I would fight you to get my life back. And so, and not only that, like I get to help other people learn how to love themselves. So the transformation I've had in this program is nothing short of miraculous. I hated myself and I hated my life and I couldn't stop eating. And today I'm celebrating that I have one year of abstinence. I love myself and I love my life and I have genuine love for the people around me. And I'm of service to my community rather than trying to figure out what I can take. That is a miracle and it is my, I am so excited to share it with you. Thanks for letting me share.